Droppe Gaming. Droppe Gaming. Droppe Gaming. Droppe Gaming. Hello everybody and welcome along to episode 13 of the Drop Bear Gaming Podcast. <laughs> I am Lucas BQ410. I have my brother Matt. How are you, mate? Pretty good, pretty good. Fantastic. And we also have Susie. How are you doing? Yep, good, thanks. Lovely. Sounding excited. So we're ready to kick on with episode 13. Some big news coming out of Australia at the moment with uh, companies being bought and you know, things like that happening, so we will crack on, and let's start off with what you've been playing. Susie, you want to uh, let us in on a few secrets of what you've been playing lately? <laughs> uh, it's not really much of a secret. Uh, <laughs> the uh, new Black Ops maps came out, so I have been having a bit of a look at them, but uh, we can talk about that a little bit later. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> um, anything else? Still working on getting through the saboteur, so keeping it simple. And uh, with uh, PlayStation still down, not really much else. <laughs> <laughs> and has has Sabotar, like lost its touch, or is it still as exciting as it was last week? Yeah, it's still saboteur. still getting saboteur. through. What do I call it? Sabotager. Sabotage. <laughs> yeah, no, it's still. I'm cracking through all the ambient challenges now, so there's. Uh, more countryside than there is the white dots on the map, so um, which the, is excellent. The, the ambient challenges are the ones that just are there in the background. You don't really notice them, but they set the mood. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's, right. Matt's dictionary moment. But actually, I did get Risk Factions on PC from Steam. Actually, I tell a lie. I have also been playing that. Nice. What's that one? Yeah. Uh, Risk Factions, uh, it's been out, uh, for quite a while, at least on Xbox Live Arcade, and, um, it's, I guess, kind of based on the board game Risk. Uh, the campaign to it is a little bit different to the board games, as I remember, but, mm-hmm. um, uh, I'm probably the worst Risk player when it comes to competing against other people, but I seem <laughs> to have done alright against the computer. That's alright, you're doing um, better than me. I've got it on the iPad, and I fucking suck. <laughs> it's pretty basic Just on the don't, iPad. Don't spread your troops out too too far. That's that's the biggest mistake I tend to make is that I keep rolling the dice. I've, I've got four troops and I just keep rolling until uh, I have one. <laughs> I might have twenty territories, but I've got one troop in each, and it doesn't last too long. <laughs> yeah, when um, they come marching through, it doesn't take much. Just yeah, just roll on through, does it? It, but uh, I did enjoy it on the Xbox uh, when I picked that up last year and uh, certainly brought back a few memories on Steam and a few more achievements there to unlock, so it's been good. Nice. Sounds good. All right, Matt, what have you been playing, mate? Oh, well, I got back from my holiday and I immediately played an entire season of AFL Live. Good job. Which um, Ashley, Ashley didn't really appreciate that. It was about 13 hours of AFL Live. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky you've got two TVs, mate. That'd be big uh, trouble. Yeah, yeah. But it is worth it because it's a good game. Yeah. 
Bang on. And she's punishing you by having one of her friends move in. <laughs> yeah, well, I just wanted some trophies. Fair enough. So. Good job. What else has been happening? Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. You bad, bad boy. Mm-hmm. Yep, I've been kicking the shit out of people in that game. But I'll talk about that a bit later on. Sounds good. Is that it? And myself, I guess. I've been playing a bit of AFL Live as well. And I still haven't quite finished the full season through. But um, I'm getting there. And what else have I been playing? That's about it, really, on the Xbox. I haven't been playing a hell of a lot this week. On the, the iPad that I've been playing is Risk, of course. I've been giving that a bit of a go. That's about it, really. I still haven't had a go of uh, Dead Space on the iPad, which I've been really looking forward to having a go of, but I don't want to start it. Oh, did you pick that yeah, up? Yeah, I picked it up in the EA sale. It was only a dollar twenty, which was pretty good, uh, which is actually going to be... Oh, thanks for telling me about that. That's all right. I tweeted it. I told everyone <laughs> about it. So everybody that follows me anyway... If you want to know about cool stuff like that that I Twitter, you should follow me, at BQ410. Matt, you should get on that. It's good fun. Anyway. No. <laughs> I, I follow you, I just don't read it. good idea. Just blank it out. It's much easier. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, I, I, uh, I've been kind of putting that off because I really want to play it, but I just, I don't know, I want to be able to sit down and give it a good go, and I can't play when my kids are around and I can't kill them, so I'm kind of stuck not playing it right now. So anyway, I guess that's what we've been playing this week. I guess that's the end of the intro. Welcome to the DBG 13. Yay. And now for the DBG News. Okay, so in news this week, we've, uh, we've already touched on a few of the basic things that have been happening. But, uh, as Susie mentioned, the second installment of the Black Ops map pack dropped this week. There's a, a lot of news basically coming out about it right now all over the internet and, you know, anybody who isn't playing it already, it's, uh, what, 1200 points, which is about 15 bucks. Is that right, Susie? Same as yep. the first one, yep. yep. I haven't actually picked this up because I haven't been playing a lot of Black Ops lately, so I'm kind of thinking, you know, the the first map pack kind of annoyed me a little bit, just trying to get used to it again after not playing it for a while, and I thought, I can't really be bothered with this one right now. I might pick it up soon, but being slack. Just, I guess, basics is there's four maps and another zombie map, and it's all multiplayer. That's about right? Yes, that's correct. So what are we looking at then? Uh, well, uh, I had a brief go at the zombies, uh, this afternoon, the Call of the Dead, uh, because I've heard some pretty funny things about it. So, uh, a lot of friends had been tweeting some pretty interesting things, so I figured, uh, that I should go and check it out. And, uh, I've been invited to give a review over for Thumbpad website with Craig uh, while I'm down in Melbourne. So Craig and I will be doing the Black Ops review uh, for Thumbpad and their podcast. So we had a bit of a crack at it earlier today. Uh, the Zombies map, I must say, is a lot different from the rest, firstly because it is a lot harder to kill them round one. Wow. Uh, uh, usually when I've played Zombies, you know, round one and two is pistols only. You save that money for the bigger guns mm-hmm. and keep keep your ammo. 
I was finding round one of zombies were taking four to five pistol bullets. It was quite funny. I, I think the character I ended up getting was Michael Rooker, who uh, has been in quite a number of films, uh, which I'm not sure the one he's depicting for Call of the Dead. Um, but it was quite funny because I remember him from Mallrats and JFK. They use a lot of catchphrases because in the little videos, it seems like they they come out with their own catchphrases. Are they varied or is there like three or four yeah, and that's yes. about it? Yeah, no, and that's one thing I've always liked about the uh, Call of Duty zombies is that they have their funny little punchlines and catchphrases while you're trying to run, yeah. them out, or run around the map. Now, an interesting thing is George Romero, uh, director for zombie films, is in the mm. game, and he walks the map. You don't shoot him, and it's quite funny because the first thing I was told as the game was loading up, don't shoot George Romero, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> Turned around the corner, and I'm like, oh, look, a zombie. Cool. And he, it was him. And the next thing I hear was, I told you not to shoot George Romero. <laughs> and I looked, and Craig was playing as Sarah Michelle Geller. I said, isn't that funny? You're actually playing as a lady, and you're nagging me. <laughs> you actually sound like a woman right now. I told you not to shoot him. <laughs> <laughs> we lasted one round. <laughs> because he's got a great big lightning hammer. Uh, and walks around. If you shoot him, he starts to run after you. Yeah. Uh, if you walk into the water, you get frostbite, so you can't really run around too much. It's set on a boat, much. isn't it? Yeah, it's some kind of like island lagoon okay. type boaty place. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's like sort of something. There's a lot of mist. Uh, it looks probably more like a, a stomping ground for uh, Jason. Oh, nice. More than anyone. So, um, but look, to be, to be honest, after a few attempts, we got as far as level six. It would probably have to be one of the more difficult zombie maps out of it. So if you are looking for a challenge, it's good for it. Now, multiplayer maps, uh, hotel, I've had a number of goes at. It's, look, a lot of them are a sniper's haven. There's been some lag issues with them too. We seem to be finding American players joining our servers and then us then getting the low ping. Yeah, of course. Which, which is really kind of odd. It never happened like this before they came out. So I don't know if that's a, a patching mm. issue. Otherwise, it's I'll, after a few more days, I'll have a better understanding of how they work and what's good and what isn't. A lot of details have been put into them. They do offer something different, like hotel uses elevators. Yeah, I thought uh, that was kind of interesting. Different. Yeah, I mean, mm. uh, going back to the to the point you made about them being a um a sniper's haven, you know, when they originally came out with the first maps, the you know just this on the disc, they said that mm. they were trying to get away from that, and mm. it became a lot I don't know, a lot friendlier, I guess, in in the gameplay because everybody was on the same level then. You, know, you didn't have yeah. to run from one end to the map to the other to try and find some bastard hiding behind a tree just killing everybody. That's and it. now they've kind of, you know, they've offered that and actually designed maps to be able to encourage it. And I don't really understand why they've done that. In one of the videos uh, leading up to the launch of Escalation, uh, the one with the game developers yep. talking about the new maps, mm-hmm. they even for one of them, they said, so this is the one for the snipers. And I remember seeing that thinking, what? Yeah. what? 
You're going to encourage yeah, exactly. it? Exactly. Doesn't seem right. No, uh, they are multi-leveled. Uh, the one for Zoo is actually kind of interesting because it does have a monorail track. <clears throat> Sorry, I'll say that again. A monorail track <laughs> uh, that you can walk along, uh, which does make things a little bit interesting uh, because when I play Black Ops, I play Headquarters. And the first uh, HQ was actually sitting in uh, where the lion cages or some animal like that would have been. It's very interesting. Yeah. Sounds interesting. But th- there is a lot of detail that's been put into them, though. Uh, it's I everyone's with anything new. It, it's going to take a couple of days to sink mm. in, learn the maps, learn the likely places that people will go to. Um, but so far, it's it seems okay. I definitely think it's well worth the money. I certainly think anyone who loves playing the Call of Duty Zombies is really going to. Uh, feel a bit of a challenge with Call of the Dead. Um, well, yeah. I think it's time I pick this up, and I'll probably have to uh, finally come on come on board and have a couple of gamer nights with you and some of the guys you play with. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So I'll have to do that this week, I think. So anyway, that's that's Black Ops. Go and check it out if you uh, if you are into the Call of Duty game. So just more online fun. So, the acquisition of Firemint by EA. Now, Firemint's done a lot of things with EA over the years, and I think um, reading through the press statement and a few things, and there is a um, bit of an update on the Dropbear Gaming website as well, so have a bit of a read of that. But basically, CEO of Firemint and the guy who started the whole thing, basically, uh, Rob Murray, he just wanted to let everybody know um, that you know they are being bought out by EA or they're acquiring them. Now, the thing that I took out of his statement was that he kept making points about the fact that it is now a partnership and all those types of things. The way I understand the acquisitions from pretty much every major player like EA is that they buy these companies and... It's no longer a partnership. They own everything. You know, they tell the companies how to do things. Uh, that's from an outsider's point of view. So I'm hoping that Fireman continue to be strong, and I really hope that uh, you know they continue to bring out some of the fantastic IPs that they have over the, the last couple of years. And yeah, well, for those who don't know, they made Real Racing for the iOS and Flight Control series, which is madly successful. Yeah. But he he said I don't know if it's like a, a something that they've agreed on in their in the acquisition, but he's staying in charge. Rob Murray's staying as the man in charge down there, and he said that they are going to remain. I can't see where it is, but he said basically they're going to re- remain basically autonomous, running their own shit, and basically paying money to the EA. And I guess EA will provide them with resources and probably direct them. For, like to make certain games in the future if they need them to, but I don't think EA are going to stop them making the uh, original IPs that they're working on, like Agent Squeak and stuff like that. There's always going to be teething problems unless they are just left to do what they need to do, but EA can't do that. You know, Any company that buys another company, you don't do it without some kind of a plan on how you're going to incorporate that company into your 
plan and your you know your your business idea for the yeah. next twelve months. Well, the EA Interactive are planning on make well from what it seems like because they've recently acquired the publisher for Angry Birds, not the developer of Angry Birds, but the publisher Chilingo. Mm-hmm. It looks like they're trying, because obviously they've made other mobile games, but they're looking to move more into the iOS field. So I think that they might actually let these little companies, if they buy them up, they might actually let them continue working on their things. Well, let's hope so. Yeah, but in in any case, it's pretty awesome. From one point of view, you know, the guys built this company from scratch. So anyway... Uh- I guess it's it's big ups to Fireman, you know, that's uh, and to Rob and the crew there. You know, they they've mm-hmm. worked very hard at, at creating some absolutely fantastic games. So, you know, let's just hope we get to see a lot more of them now that they've probably or hopefully got a little bit more funding to be able to do some of those things. So, good on you guys. Yeah. Susie touched on this before. The PSN is still up the shit. They haven't brought that back on online yet, which I think is a good idea. Um. You know, listening to a lot of stories and you know, reading a lot of stories, they, you know, Sony's basically playing it out the way they should. You know, they've found a leak, they pulled the plug, they are now just basically waiting, you know, for it to become as stable and as plugged as they possibly can, so that they can, you know, mitigate any other, uh, you know, issues with uh, with hackers in the future. So, Matt, this is probably something a lot more along your lines. You're you know, a bit more of a PSN kind of mm-hmm. guy. So what's happening at the moment? Well, for a start, it's like on uh, on the Sarcastic Gamer PlayStation podcast, they were talking about this, and they Rothbart basically said on that show, you know, pretty much all security systems on computers only as secure as, you know, they're only secure up until when they're hacked, you know. So for everyone saying that Sony have been negligent and shit, it's kind of a bit harsh. Because, you know, they were pretty secure. They just got hacked. That happens to everyone. Can I just say something with that? And I saw a link to this the other day that uh, Congress have written to Sony with a please explain letter (laughs) with a due date of the 6th of May to respond, uh, which I think was a seven-day turnaround from the time of writing it because the breaches were detected mid-April, and they took how long to notify the consumers? The breaches were no, were noticed on the 17th and 18th of April, and consumers were notified on the 24th because they shut down the servers immediately and got in a company to check to see the extent of the intrusion, which is pretty standard operating for any system. When it gets hacked, you're supposed to shut it down because mm-hmm. it could have a backdoor in it, right? They could keep it running, but it risks any transactions between when it gets hacked to when they actually take it down. You know, mm-hmm. anything that's on there could be compromised because you don't know the extent of the damage. And uh, it's not until the 23rd or the 24th that they realized that the account information had probably been compromised, and then they informed everyone straight away. They said... Credit card information is um, the credit card information is stored on a separate server to the rest of the personal information. It probably wasn't compromised, and even if it was, the little CCV number that's on the back of your card is not stored on their servers anyway. So all the credit cards are basically useless for using on the internet anyway. Good. 
Interestingly enough, Sony Online Entertainment, separate from the PSN, got hacked two days before the PSN. And 25 million accounts, including credit card information, was taken, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) From an outdated database, which kind of sucks. But it's funny because everyone's getting up up Sony and, like, um, 2009, some company fucking got hacked and lost 125 million credit card information, like 125 million customers' credit card information. And no one talks about that, not to mention about 20 other, at least 20 other companies have had security breaches in terms of losing user information in the past, like, two months. And no one talks about any of them until PSN because gamers are so vocal on the net and then it gets all over the news and people blow it out of proportion. So I think everyone needs to just chill out and be patient because in the end, this is going to work out best for everyone because it's going to be a much more secure system. Let's move on. Now I'm going to bring up something about Microsoft because Microsoft has opened up a new studio and... Pretty much, by the sounds of things, they've taken it into their own hands to go and use the technology in the Kinect to make themselves a half-decent fucking game, which would be good. So, pretty much what they've done is the Microsoft have opened up a studio in Vancouver, in British Columbia, and according to the, I guess, the, the resume or the, you know, the information coming out from... I guess the person that they've put in charge of art, the art director, Sean Woods, his name, uh, he's put on there that he now is um, in this studio called Zipline Studios, which is a you know, Microsoft game studio, Vancouver, pretty much. And he's suggested that he's been put in charge of making a core AAA shooter experience using Kinect. So what a lot of people have jumped on board straight away and started saying, you know, it's it's just hearsay really, I guess, around the, the traps at the moment. Is it going to be a new IP or is it going to be a connect interpretation of an existing Microsoft franchise? I've heard Halo being thrown around, which could be interesting, um, but at the same time, nobody really has too much information on what's going on about this just yet. So... All we're really hearing is that um, you know, this new Zipline Studios is looking to hire. And if you are you know, rummaging yourself around in Vancouver currently, then uh, you might be able to get on board and get hired and get yourself involved with this. So, Susie, being the um, the Connect guru that you are, have you heard anything about this one? Not specifically. Uh, the only thing I can really think of as you're saying that was back E3 last year when they said the future of gaming and connect and the possibility of a first person shooter uh, allowing you to use your couch for cover in a combat simulation and this sounds like it could be what they were hoping to do. Well it sounds interesting you know I mean uh, I still think that you know my idea of probably the perfect game for the connect is a mech warrior type game where you're sitting in the control chair and you know but I I can't particularly see myself jumping around too much in that kind of space you know I mean it it's like having a skateboarding game for the connect the actual activity that it would take to be able to you know realistically portray riding a skateboard 
would be so full on and having a shooter game, it it would be quite difficult, I would think. Yeah. Certainly brings a whole new meaning to the old run and gun. <laughs> <laughs> you get pretty damn fit yeah, for well, it. <laughs> that is true. That is true. And the thing that strikes me strange is, like you say, if you jump behind your couch, doesn't the game pause? If you lose, if it goes out of focus, like if you go out of the screen. So. You know, it's it's funny because a lot of games show different things. And I know that, uh, particularly with Your Shape Fitness Evolved, I know that whenever the cats walked in the play space, they used to come up on the screen with me. <laughs> they don't, you know, with Connect Sports and that, it's all blocked out. So I think it's got something to do with the programming and yeah. what the sensor can find and... Um, what not. So it may, I mean, it, it detects where objects of your house are. Yeah. Uh, it detects your play space and all that. So I imagine the coding for something like a first person shooter would accommodate to recognize something like a couch or a table as, uh, part of the yeah. game as cover. It would be actually really interesting if they could do like a, an augmented reality type thing where you could, uh, you know, have a couch being shot to pieces while you were hiding behind it and things like that. That would be kind of interesting. All right, so that that's our news section for this week. Um, I guess now we'll uh, pass the mic over to Matt for his uh, his quick-fire rough news. Go for it. Uh, Wii 2 has been rumoured screening the controller backwards compatibility, so it means it'll probably have to have motion control, you'd think. And something that I read today just came out today, they're saying it's only got 8 gig of onboard flash memory and no hard drive, which is, you know, breaking technology. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's just well, up to date. Another thing that might actually, uh, you know, reconfirm this Wii 2 rumor, uh, apparently today, Nintendo's just come out and um, they've officially dropped the price of the um, the Wii 1 by 150 bucks. I heard that... Mm-hmm. They're saying that the Wii 2 is going to be fully playable at um, E3, yeah. so that's pretty cool. But um, anyway, yeah, it's supposed to be a Wii with HD graphics, which is great. Yeah, <laughs> HD waggle. They're on the ball with that one. <laughs> so, mm. uh, the next one is um, Homefront have shipped 2.6 million copies. Well, THQ shipped 2.6 million copies of Homefront, and... Um, there's something about losing $136 million, probably in shares. I don't know. I didn't read it. Not interested. <laughs> Even the story it. about Homefront bored you more than the game. Yeah. <laughs> I actually finished reading the title quicker than I finished the game. I mean, it took longer. <laughs> oh, whatever. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> so, all right. So well, there you go, everybody. That was our quick fire news. That was our main news. Now we're going to get on to having a bit of a break. Uh, I have had the opportunity this week to sit down with some great friends of our show, some great friends of our website, the Tin Man Games team, which is the Tin Man, Neil Renison, and uh, his his mate and um, you know, partner in crime, Ben Britton. So enjoy the conversation we have, and we'll be back very soon. G'day, this is Craig Peebles, and you're listening to Drop Bear Gaming, so watch out for the drop bears, they bite. Hello, everybody. 
Welcome to the break in the show. We've been joined this week by some fantastic guests, some very good friends of the show, and it's an honour to have them on the show. One of them again. I'm joined by the Academy Award winner, Ben Britton, <laughs> which has to be mentioned every time anybody talks to you nowadays. Apparently. <laughs> Thanks to Lena. Yeah. Damn you, Lena. <laughs> and I'm also joined by the Tin Man himself, Neil Renison. How are you guys? Hi, fine, thank you. Good. Yeah, very good. Great. No, that's really good. So you are obviously the Tin Man Games team um, and the uh, the creators behind the very popular iOS and I'm assuming they're, they're uh, leaking to other platforms as we speak. Um, Soon. Yeah. <laughs> the Gamebook Adventures. Congratulations on them too. They're going very well from what I'm hearing. Cheers, man. Yeah, it's yeah, good. I thought with the sixth book coming out, it would be a good time to have you guys on again to, to talk it up. Uh, the Wizard from Tanith Tor. For the people who don't know about the game book series, let us know just a short introduction about what they are, uh, your ideas behind them, and you know, I guess just a, a brief description of what it takes to create one. Yeah, okay. Well, I'll go with that one. Yeah, so basically, Game Book Adventures is kind of like it's an evolution of game books which were kind of big back in the sort of um back end of the 70s definitely the 80s and a bit in the 90s um many people all know kind of choose your own adventure but uh, there was other popular series such as like fighting fantasy and lone wolf and stuff like that and so what we basically wanted to do was basically bring sort of like you know the essence of what those kind of game books were and sort of make them into digital versions um and Obviously, when the iPhone and iPad and all that kind of stuff comes came out, um, they were a natural fit for the platform, really. So. Yeah, they certainly do work very well. Hmm. Yeah, it's kind of it, it kind of lends itself really well to because you know at the end of the day they're at the very basic level they're eBooks. Yeah. Um, they just have interactive elements to them. Um, so yeah, so they're, so they're good for reading on the move and you know having quick ten minute plays here and there. So. Yeah, and I think uh, you know if I, I did mention this on one of the shows a while back when I got my iPad, the um, the upgrade from you know having it on the iPhone or the, even the iPod Touch to having it on the iPad is massive. You know, it's uh, it's so much more comfortable to read on the iPad and it, it just seems to fit so perfectly there. Yeah, we spent a, we spent a lot of time making sure that iPad a lot of time. <laughs> it it nearly killed us, but I think we got oh, it. Oh, you yeah. did, yeah, because it, it works very very well. It was really important to us that the iPad version was going to be like the definitive version. I mean, the iPhone and the iPod Touch versions are great. Don't get me wrong, but the iPad, you know, it just lent itself so well to the medium that if we'd have cocked it up, you know, we'd have only ourselves <laughs> to blame really. But you know, I'm, I, I think we're both really proud of of how it turned out. So. Yeah, yeah, so you should be. So, um, you, know, you guys have been really busy, obviously, very recently. Um, you've just returned back from uh, from Boston, PAX East, and there was the GDC mixed in there a little bit before that as well. Um, then you've been back for a little while now, and you've just been finishing off the the Game Book Six. And you know, how has the first couple of months of this year been for you guys? Bit, a bit crazy, but good. Good crazy, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazier for you, Ben. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I went to I went to GC first, and then I had the, the spent a week going to New York and some other places, and then to Boston for PAX, and then spent another week after that talking to writers and stuff in DC. So it was like 
I, I planned the trip out and then I didn't really, I sort of like, I need to be here, here, at this time, and here, at this time, and didn't realize until I sort of bought all the tickets. I'm like, that's like four and a half weeks. <laughs> like, crap. <laughs> by the end of that, I was like, oh, God, get home and do some work. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty mad. But I mean, Boston was, was awesome, really. It was a, it was a great trip. Um, I, I had to, because um, I had to drop my family off in Adelaide, so I had a 10-hour drive to Adelaide, dropped the family off, then caught a flight, 32-hour flight to Boston. God. Uh, and then did all that for a week and then did the the complete opposite a week later. So <laughs> it was interesting times, but it was very good. Much fun. Yeah, PAX, PAX was uh, it was amazing. I mean, we had never – it was the first time we had exhibited anywhere, so we didn't really know what to expect. And, of course, PAX is like the biggest freaking, you know, yeah. event ever. So there's 70,000 crazy game nerds who are just totally into it. And you're like, <laughs> oh. So it was – it was it was it was really great to actually to talk face to face with people who who'd heard of us and they'd be like oh I read your books and then people who had never heard of us and and to sort of explain to them what it is and and because the people at PAX are all gamers like tabletop gamers role playing right. gamers and you know board gamers they understand the, yep. the game books mm-hmm. so you sort of you tell them what it is and like you can sort of see their their first skeptical and their face sort of lights up like oh oh I get it it's like such and such you know whatever game book they read when they were a kid with right. adventure or fighting fan. You know, they're like, oh my gosh, and then they get excited. So it was a, it was so, it was so great. Uh, there, actually, yeah, it was kind of a bit of a result, really, because um, in America, um, they, I think, choose your own adventure was huge, but a lot of the sort of fight, the sort of fighting fantasy kind of books never really made it big over there. So when you had, when we were chatting to people, we'd sell it as, you know, this is a choose your own adventure book with RPG elements in, it, and they'd never seen that before. Yeah. So even though this, these, this kind of concepts like. 20 or 30 years old to me to them it was brand new and so it was like oh my god that's amazing <laughs> yeah because so. well, when, yeah, when, when I grew up I mean I had the choose your adventure stuff and then basically went right from that to D&D and um, didn't even really know Fighting Fantasy existed until much later uh, so yeah I mean I'm, I'm come from that same same sort of background that like oh my god choose your adventure with dice and swords holy crap that's amazing <laughs> you noticed a bit of a jump in, in sales since you were there um we obviously had little like, little mini spikes over the week, you know, afterwards. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't, basically what's happened, it's kind of like our plateau has increased. So we were sort of making X amount of dollars per day on average. And yep. that kind of, that plateau has now moved up a notch. So just underneath Richard Branson type thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> pretty yeah, pretty close to that. Yeah. <laughs> The, the Tin Man Intergalactic um, Airway. Sounds good. <laughs> I'd fly them. For yep. sure. <laughs> uh, so, I guess, you know, with, with the books and the way they're written, you know, you, you guys have had some great writers in, in the stories so far, and you've been able to, to jag another fantastic one for GBA 6. Yeah. Working this time with the 2008 uh, Windhammer Prize winner, Al Sander. Yeah. What's it like working with you know somebody who's won the awards for for writing similar types of things to what you guys are doing? Yeah, well, I mean, I, when I first, when me and Al first kind of talked about the, the book, I think he'd literally, uh, probably wasn't long after he'd, he'd won it, probably about a year after, and he sent me the actual um, game they'd written as the winning entry, and I just read through that and I just thought. Oh man, you've so got to write for us. This is just awesome stuff. So well, I can imagine it'll lend itself very well to what you guys do. Oh, completely. I mean, the the Windhammer stuff, which is on on the uh, Chronicles of Arborel website, if anybody wants to go and Google that, um, it's an awesome little um, competition 
Um, it's just, it's been going for a little while now and it's just lots of guys that love writing game books, just kind of, you know, swapping these stories. And then, you know, every year they have this kind of prize award thing, which I think is brilliant. It's just a really great idea. Definitely. Yeah, it's always nice to get some recognition anyway. So, yeah, definitely. Mm. So, can you tell us a little bit about the the story in number six? Yeah, so the story number six, basically, um, it's it's a bit different than the other ones because the other ones are all kind of set in places which exist on the world map, as it were. And this one, we went for something which um, wasn't already on the map. It's kind of this um, this old ruined city which no longer exists and nobody knows the whereabouts of it anymore. Um, and it was this kind of massive kind of wizard's guild that sort of was running, you know, quite a few years before. And it got mysteriously destroyed and sort of disappeared into the annals of mythology and history of the world. Um, and you encounter this uh, wizard guy who's actually from this city, but he's... He's, all, he's from the past, so he's kind of time-travelled somehow, um, and he needs you to go to the city to retrieve some items for him and unravel various mi- mysteries. So, um, so yeah, so that's it in a nutshell, I'd say. It sounds very interesting. And speaking of the writers, uh, you've also, you know, you came out earlier this year in relation to uh, the person you've, you've been able to jag for Game Book 7. Yeah, Jonathan Green is a bit of a coup, really, for us, because, I mean, he's written the last seven Fighting Fantasy published softback novels. Uh, Ian Livingston and Steve Jackson, obviously their their names are on the cover and it's credited, but a lot of the, the later books were written by other authors, and, and Jonathan Green's pretty well known for, for his books. And I think one of the books, um, I think it was Howl of the Werewolf, was um, voted as, like, the best Fighting Fantasy book of all of them so he's got a bit of a reputation and so getting him to write the game book adventures is just you know it's just incredible really it's kind of a bit of a dream come true you know i was a 10 year old boy playing fight you know reading fighting fantasy books and then i've kind of gone on and created my own series of you know game books and then i have one of the authors of my original love now writing for us it's just crazy really so yeah it's very, amazing it's awesome yeah i'm, I'm very humbled so I, I guess when you when you are working with these guys that you know do have the acclaims and the, the prizes and all those types of things, what kind of restrictions do you put on them when they write the stories for you so that you know they're I guess you know being a series that it does flow and it has some kind of uh, you know, similarities? Is there anything you suggest to them? Um, there's less restrictions than you might think actually. Um, one of the things I like to do with the writers is to let them be as creative as possible um, because I don't want to hinder their, you know, I don't want to hinder their storytelling skills. I don't want to say, oh, you have to have this story and it has to have this many monsters and it has to be set here and it has to go there. You know, I kind of, we kind of have a discussion and we come to an agreement of roughly where in the world it's the, the story set, roughly the kind of people that you're going to meet, the kind of politics involved with the story. Um, and then they'll go off and write it. And then the, the when the early drafts come back in, we kind of massage it into, you know, we might kind of change some, some bits and bobs, you know, to to make it better fit within the world and kind of... Uh, there might be, for example, they might have set some uh, a, 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 
a part of the story in a town somewhere and I, I and there's another town which I would perhaps want them to kind of like expand on so we kind of maybe move that town to that town and you know kind of mm-hmm. it's just yep. it's just kind of world building and, and building the narrative of the story and you know because we want to ultimately we want the world to, to kind of evolve and get bigger and you know um and we we want to kind of fill in all the gaps um so we want we want people to feel really feel that they're kind of traveling around this this place yep. to know it really well so and with with what you do ben you know getting getting all this to work within the actual context of the program you know, how how does the story actually translate to when you start putting it into you know, a uh, i guess a, a working type version within the software Speaking from the manuscript from the writers um, i usually run it through like a big parsing program that basically like makes it into version one of the technical we call it the gaml file um which adds all this markup and tags and stuff and then we have to go through sort of like section by section make sure that all the links work right and it's kind of like doing a giant website really yeah um, but with dice and <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like if, if you click links on your website and they had to roll dice and see if you actually take the link or not, then that's kind of what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds awesome, but really frustrating as well. Yeah, it can, it can be a bit tedious, uh, but we're getting pretty, we're getting pretty good at it. And I keep, I mean, the, we've got, we've got like some editor tools and some testing tools that, um, that I, I keep adding to and, and building on that sort of help automate that a bit. So I think, I think Ben's downplaying how awesome his tech is. Like. <laughs> He does that from our last <laughs> chat, I remember as well. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's some cool stuff like you know, you, you, once, once you have the whole book in the in the editor, you can there's this whole thing called the problem report, which goes through every single section and checks different things and says, oh, does this if 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 this section can't be gotten to from anywhere else, it's an island and so that's a problem. And you know, there's it basically checks all the logic for you and, and it helps make it slightly less tedious, but you still yeah. have to have a human go through it and look at every single section. So mm. that yeah. sounds pretty amazing, though. Yeah. yeah, it's it's, it's a really cool the, the the tools that we have. You can, I can, if I'm inputting one of the game books and I'm editing in uh, a lot of the logic, I can go up and down different story paths really quickly. So if I need to test whether you know something's working from a certain direction, I can quickly traverse the the, the multitude of paths quite easily. So. And the new tools are very even cooler, but we won't talk about those yet. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was about to ask, with all the, the, the technical advances within the platform, and I guess, as we mentioned, in, in the other platforms as well, and the capabilities of some of the Android devices and all those types of things as well, what changes have you made in the back end of number six, and what are you looking at, at doing for uh, for seven and onwards? Um, well, six was pretty... Like, the logic of six um, fit pretty well into what we already had as far as the um, the story logic goes. But one of the big things we wanted to add for six and for all the books, uh, you know, that came previously was Game Center. So that was sort of our big push, our big technical push um, for the six release was to add Game Center in. So once we release six, uh, we'll have Game Center for all six books, um, which is a it was a huge effort for us uh, because we had to go through like take all the because we already had the achievements in the games, but we had to go through and basically take all those achievements and put them into Game Center and link them all up, and mm-hmm. so that was sort of our big push. Uh, but if, like moving from from book seven onward, we're actually re sort of re-specifying the whole underlying language that the books are, are described in to sort of take advantage of a lot more flexibility. Because like game book seven is still a more like um, it's it's a set in Orlando's as well, but uh, we've got some more books coming out of the pipe that are like sci-fi and mystery and horror. So 
we're changing the, the underlying structure of, of the books to be able to handle all these new genres and all this new flexibility. So that's been a big effort as well. Mm, can imagine. Yeah, yes. oh. big changes. And we're going to Kindle and Android. And, <laughs> 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 and the other thing, we, the other reason why we're trying to get this flexibility as well is because we've actually had game book writers who have already had game books published um, in, you know, novel format. Um, that want us to actually put their game books on the iOS devices as well. So great. So yeah. outside of the the GBA series. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we can't really talk too much about that at the minute, but mm-hmm. it's bloody cool. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> really cool. That's fantastic, guys. Well done. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I got a, lot, a lot of the engine tech teams are to sort of help, basically make it easier for us to get any kind of adventure story into the game engine and have it work. <laughs> sort of the goal. Right. Just a, just a small goal. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, you know, touching back on to PAX and, and you know, your, your trip to America, apart from the chance to be out with the guys and, you know, showing the gaming community over there what you had on offer, what have you been able to bring back from that, you know, suggestions and working with a lot of the other you know, developers and, and just being amongst it and, you know, stuff from GDC? I mean, I'm sure you guys had a, a lot of stuff that you could bring back to the table and try and fit that into what you're currently doing. You know, what, what types of things did you uh, or were you able, you know, bits of information were you able to get your hands on? Platforms, I'd say, Ben. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think, yeah, we had lots of interest for, like, the Android platform was a big interest at PAX. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, I mean, I think, I think the, the general takeaway was just, just lots of feedback from real people who play the games and, uh, either say, I went on Android or I played your game and, and I really wish you did this, that, or the other thing. And so we took a lot of that, a lot of those opinions from people who, you know, even pe- people like who had never played the game, who came to us on Friday and they're like, oh, that's a great game. I'm, I'm going to go buy it. So they go buy it and they played it, like get through the whole first book. And they came back on Sunday, and they came and told us what they thought about it. And exactly, like, oh, this is great, this is bad. So it was really great to have that sort of, like, immediate feedback from people who were really into it and just, you know. So we sort of, you know, took all that on board and, like, oh, my gosh. So now we're just trying to figure out how to, you know, address a lot of those concerns as much as we can, you know. I think the other thing as well is that, you know, when you talk to people like that in those kind of environments, it kind of validates what you're doing because sometimes, you know, when you're working away in your little office and you're staring at a computer screen all day and not interacting much with the outside world, you kind of get yourself in a bit of a bubble and you kind of forget, um, you know, what you're, you know, who it is that you're creating these things for. And, you know, and sometimes depending on how things are going, that can, you can have different levels of confidence about what you're doing. So putting yourself in that environment and actually having people come up to you and actually discussing, they're like real human beings have actually sat and played many hours on your products. Hmm. it's kind of cool because it kind of you know kind of it validates completely what you're doing and kind of you know well it kind of motivates me to kind of push on and do more and more and more really so yeah sure with uh with so many different versions of the android base software i suppose (laughs) when you move across to that you know i'm i'm not a, a tech head you know as much as i'd like to think i'm a bit nerdy sometimes with the iOS, I would assume that that's just a basic standard platform across all their devices pretty much and uh, not a huge difference because that's the way Apple wants it to be. But with yeah. the Android, it's different. Yeah, I mean, the, the iOS stuff, there's basically there's effectively three platforms. There's old iPhones and iPods, there's the Retina iPhones, and there's iPads. Those are sort of like yeah. your three, three platforms. So you sort of we're, – we're building for those three platforms. 
Mm-hmm. With with Android, like you said, it's it's a much broader, and by much I mean massively. There's yeah. like, you know hundreds of devices. So, and we haven't got to the point yet where we're starting to test on device yet. Uh, yeah. But I think our goal is that we're gonna we're gonna be using the Unity game engine, which is gonna help us a lot with compatibility uh, to do the port for us. Um, so what what I think we're gonna try to do is, is try to basically just pick up as many devices as we can afford that sort of are close to the you know, the mainstream, like we'll get like a tablet and a couple phones and we'll make sure it works on that. And then we'll release them on those devices and say, this is the devices that we know it works on, but you can put whatever you want. And then as time goes on, we'll just try to, you know, sort of certify it as it were on as many devices as we can. But it's definitely as an indie developer, Android is kind of frightening in that way, just because there's so many devices and the sort of QA effort is so massive. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like that alone is really what what's been keeping us from Android almost. So it's just trying to figure out, sort of wrap wrap our brains around how do we take our tiny budget we have, and and provide a quality product on such a huge range of devices. It's a, it's a complicated problem. So, what are you guys you know, currently working on, and and where are you looking to go in the the near future? Uh, well, basically, I mean, the, the the thing that I'm busy doing at the minute is GA7, getting all that working and mm-hmm. working with Jonathan Green. Um, to get that sort of all, all working really nicely. And we've got a, you know, I'm also liaising with the um, the artists. And uh, I literally, just before I came on here, was sent an email to the um, musician because he's just sent me through the first lots of the music, which I don't think Ben's heard yet. Have you, Ben? So, no, I haven't. I'm pretty, I'm waiting. I'm excited. It's awesome. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, so I'm kind of doing that. And then I'm also, uh, we're also, I mean, obviously Ben's, um, revising all the tech at, at the moment, like he, like he said. Mm-hmm. Um, and then behind the scenes, we've got kind of a, another load of books coming mm-hmm. online. There's um, an awesome guy that works with us called Andrew Drage. Um, he edited um, a, a few of the game books. He's he's like probably the biggest game book nut I've ever met. <laughs> Good to have on staff. Yes, yeah, totally true. <laughs> he, he won't mind me telling you that. I mean, this guy, like... I think I asked him one day to work out some probabilities um, for a, for a, a slight change in the dice rolling system we were going to do, and about two hours later I got this massive Excel spreadsheet with all these formulas and stuff in it. <laughs> I had to ring him back and say, "Now explain what you've done." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so no, he's he's great, and he's actually writing a game book himself, um, which we're hoping to release later this year. And from what I've read of it so far, it's pretty awesome. It's not set in Orlando; it's a completely new story. It involves a fair bit of time travel and, and stuff, and it's pretty exciting. So, wow. so we've got we've got uh, you know various things. There's a few other people writing um, some other books for us, and then as I said earlier on, we've potentially got these pre-existing game books of old that may be republished mm-hmm. um, yeah. later the line. So, so that's it really. I guess that pretty much wraps up the questions that I've got for you guys. Is there anything that you want to, you know, give people a quick shout out, or you know, just uh, just leave some some nuggets of wisdom? Oh, Ben, nuggets? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I've got I've got no nuggets, but I, I give give a shout out to our friends at Fireman who just got bought by EA and are totally awesome. So yeah. congrats to those awesome. guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they deserve it. It's a great team, Fireman, and we hope they do awesome at EA. So. Yeah. Uh, while we're talking about Igda as well, big shout out to the Igda guys, especially like Giselle and Craig Peebles. Oh yeah, absolutely. Giselle Rosman, um, they do a great job. I mean, it's all voluntary, and like they, like you said, they, it gives us a great platform to to swap ideas and get drunk. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I de- definitely, like Neil said, the, a, a big reason the community here is so tight-knit is because of those guys sort of keeping on us and keeping us together, you know, and making sure we show up and get drunk, so... Thank you both very much for taking the time out to come on the show. We really appreciate it. And, you know, we are all really looking forward to you know, book six coming out and you know, and also keeping an eye on what you guys are doing in the future. So keep it up. Awesome. Cheers. Thank you very much. Lovely. Thanks, guys. still sitting around the campfire per se and following on from the discussion that Susie and I had last week where I was lucky enough to get my hands on Mortal Kombat have a bit of a game of that uh, Matt this week has been playing as you said Mortal Kombat and he's also been playing some AFL live and he has some discussion points that he wants to raise on both of those seeing he missed out on last week's so hopefully there's a few things that I can add to that and um, yeah let's see I'd like to I'd, I'd like to start with AFL Live if that's all right. Of course. All in all, it's a pretty awesome game. I want to start with that because most of this is going to be the things that I would like to have seen in it. But uh, I don't want to leave the overwhelming thought that I didn't actually like the game because I think it's awesome <clears throat> for the first game by uh, Big Ant in the series. It's pretty excellent. Well, so, as you um, said, you played 13 the, the hours thing, of it, and that takes a, a fairly decent feat for any game to have a good 13-hour sit-down. Yeah, and that's just... <clears throat> I played through uh, the Premiership season with um, five-minute quarters. So, basically, it's a 20-minute game plus stoppages and everything. It takes about 30... About around 30, 25 to 30 minutes. Did you win the flag? To play through a round. Uh, yeah, Can of the cat is. And I got... Um, I got the Brownlow for Link. Nice. And Podsy got the, um, whatever it is, Coleman medal, most goals in the season. 700. <laughs> Compared to the next yeah, one, which no, would have been quite. Brownie with about six. Well, it's funny because there's a trophy or achievement if you're playing on the Xbox to get 100 goals with one player in a season. Nice. And that's basically four goals a game. It's not too bad. So you have to be... You'd have to be playing pretty long, long quarters mm. to be able to get the ball to your to. I suppose I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, I moved around, but the the commentary in the game for the first probably two or three games is great, <laughs> <laughs> and then for the other twenty one in the season, it's fucking repetitive as. There's a few cool things here and there where he's like, I think you mentioned one to me the other day, Lucas, where he goes, um, what was it? He says, um, that calls, no, what was it? That decision was worse than getting drunk and ringing your ex. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And there's one where he he says something like, my, my wife can kick better than that or something. (laughs) So there's little, little Easter eggs like that. They are pretty far in between though. Yeah, exactly. The majority of it is, well, I don't know much about this player, but what can you say about him? And then the other guy will be like, well, you know, from this angle it'll be tough, but I think he can make the distance. And he's like, right this in distance front. is going to be tough, but I think he can make it from this angle. Mm. Yeah, so that's fucking irritating, but whatever. And um, in the main menus, there's a total of two songs that loop. Hunters and Collectors Holy Grail, which is a fantastic yeah. song. 
and then some song that I don't know the title of or the artist, but it's basically about um, AFL, yeah. which is cool. But after you hear it about 50 times, it loses its coolness. <laughs> and um, that's kind of frustrating. <laughs> the team management, there's not much control over your team. You can um, you can interchange players and substitute players, but you can't really um, swap who's marking who. And it just seemed kind of unwieldy in the game. But, you know, that'll improve over time with the next few versions that they make, assuming that they make more versions. We can only hope. I think they will, because from There's... what I understand, the sales of the game have been quite good. They have been going pretty yeah. well. And I know a lot of... Um, you know, there's been a lot of advertising on the AFL website. Every time I've been there in the last couple of weeks, you know, they've had, you know, the, the little advertisement running in the corner, which has been pretty good. And at most EB games that I've been into as well, it's either on a playable screen or, you know, there's, there's advertisements running through on the, the latest release type things mm-hmm. going on. So I, I think that's really good to get well, behind the developers. Yeah. When I was in Melbourne, I went to the Cats vs. Hawks game at the MCG and there was a crowd of 80,000, which is not a bad little um, yeah, good group place. of people to be advertising yeah. to. And um, they, had a, they had a thing on outside the G for kids. Basically, you can go and, like, I don't know, kick the ball around it or have a chance to play on the PS3. Nice. So it was basically an ad for PS3s and AFL Live on the PS3. So they're obviously pushing it on the PS3. And um, it was something like um, two two people would team like would go against each other, and the winner basically won a PS3 and a copy of AFL Live. Wow! And then they at half time they came up on the big screens in the stadium and said, you know, this is blah blah competing against this person. They did a little competition, and then they're like, yeah, so pick up AFL Live. It's pretty awesome, and they showed a little bit of it on the screen in the background. It's funny because after we spoke to Dan Visser from Wicked Witch, he um he told us a lot of cool things that they were putting in the Wii version. So I'm pretty keen to like, you know, God forbid I ever say I want to play a Wii game, but uh, I'm pretty keen to play the Wii version of this to see how it differs because the the game seems pretty light, really. Well, I wonder if it's uh, if it's got anything to do with disk space because you know the when you like the likenesses are pretty good when you when you see them on the screen not from the the far you know actual in game kind of cameras but when they do a close up or a replay or something like that you do get a pretty good idea of who the player is every time you see them or i do i can pretty much picture them you know from their likenesses which is pretty good and i'm wondering if because of that, they've used up a lot of disk memory to be able to put that stuff in, and they've disregarded a lot of other stuff. I don't know if they would have, because games I, like FIFA and it. stuff like that all have the likenesses, yeah. but they don't have the rosters. I mean, you know, the amount of people on the screen at the same time is not as huge as in AFL. But you know, I'm wondering. You know, after after that chat we had, um, you know, it's there was there seemed to be a lot more discussed than what we're seeing in in the current Xbox and the PS versions. So, yeah, 
But anyway. Oh well, it's still really fun though. Like not to not to bring it down too much. It's a fucking great fun game. And that, that's the thing. I mean, like I wouldn't have played 13 hours of it if it wasn't exactly. fun. Exactly. And that's what I was about to say. I mean, the um, you know, the the core game, the actual core gameplay of it, is a lot of fun. It is a really good game, and it's come a hell yeah. of a long way from the old PS2 versions. And mm-hmm. you know, and it's pretty accurate, like in the rules and everything. Like I. There's a bit of a, a few times where, you know, the difference between a ball up call or holding the ball yeah. call where I was like, come on. Yeah. Like where the graphic shows him holding the ball, but it doesn't get a free mm. kick. For those of you who have no idea what AFL is, if you like AFL, you'll probably like this game. The controls are tough to get used to, but once you get used to them, it's definitely fun. So, like, there's a lot of cool shit, like, You'll be playing it. You'll yeah. It get it gets you pumped just like playing FIFA when you because you know there's not really any downtime apart from like throw-ins and stuff. But even then, you've still got to fight for the ball. You know, so it's pretty flat out the whole time you're playing. Yeah. So that's AFL Live. Um, yeah, I'd say buy it. Yeah, I I definitely agree. It's a buy. It's not not just a rent. It's a buy for sure. If you're an AFL fan, definitely yep. buy it. Or you could just yeah. get involved with our and, competition, our team. Special, oh, yes. Yeah, do that. Fully get involved. <laughs> yeah, we were lucky enough to... <laughs> We've already given away one That's topic, right. So. Yeah. So get involved with that, and um, yeah, you could win yourself a copy. So your your other game. Yes, Mortal Kombat. <laughs> All right, Mortal Kombat. Um, you were you know, lucky enough to spend a fair bit of time with Mortal Kombat. As, uh, as you know, I mentioned last week, I got a, a couple of games in. But um, you actually were able to get the same same friend of ours to bring you back a copy. Had the forethought to arrange mm-hmm. that that I didn't. Yes, sucking. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually had a lot of my friends ask me where I got it from. Of course. And um, you know, I try to keep it on the download, <laughs> but you can't stop <laughs> fucking talking about it. So after all the talk about how it was bullshit that it was banned in Australia. Um, I'm going to have to do a little bit of a back step on that one. <laughs> I think you should. <laughs> yeah. So after playing it, you know, the whole time I was going on about how, you know, it can't be that brutal. Mortal Kombat's been around here, you know, all the other versions, and they were violent. Why the hell is this one? You know, they all had fatalities. I'll go into a few of the th- reasons why it's probably a good idea that it's banned to start with, and then I'll talk a little bit about the Don't game. Don't get too graphic or we'll um, get banned. Okay, so the fatalities are bloody, extremely bloody. There's fight modes where there's like headless mode, armless mode, where basically at the start of the fight, your two fighters face each other and then their heads pop off. <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> yep, and then blood sprays out of their necks through the whole fight. <laughs> while you beat the shit out of each other and it's especially fun on headless and armless fights because all you have is leg moves right <laughs> so you're running around and all you've got is legs <laughs> and th- there's blood coming out of where your arms were and where your head was lovely so it's there's quite a lot of blood which is pretty nasty for a start so it's funny because you you're mashing the buttons and you're trying to concentrate on doing leg moves, but you end up, you might hit like a, 
a special move that uses hands, like a like shooting an ice ball for Sub Zero. Yeah. Except the, the character just stands there, like as if he was doing the move. Except he's got no head and no arms. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. So, yeah, that's probably one of the reasons it was bad. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, apart um, from these special modes and stuff like that, I guess in the normal standard gameplay, do you think that anybody under 18 or even a lot of people over 18 should watch this or play this game? Over 18, yes, but it needs to come with a warning saying that it's violent. I mean, if you can watch Saw, you can play Mortal Kombat. Okay. Yeah, so the story mode has um, fucking heaps of cutscenes, but you can't skip them or pause them. Are they long? So... Like 30, uh, 30 seconds average. Yeah. Like some are short, some are long, mm-hmm. depending on what's going on. But the problem is there'll be a cutscene and then a fight, and you can pause in a fight. But as soon as the fight ends, it starts another cutscene. So the only way you can exit out of story mode is in a fight to click onto main menu. Ah. So you leave through the fight, go back in later, and it'll play the cutscene before the last fight. Okay. Isn't that so, what happened in uh, Mortal Kombat vs. DC Universe? Uh, I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember being able to skip the cutscenes playing that. Although it's been a while. That was the last yeah, just, Mortal Kombat I played. Does Jax have a gun in this one? Um, I think Striker's got a gun. I don't. Okay. I know. I know Striker's got one. I don't know about Jax though. I haven't That's really such played. Such an unfair him. advantage. <laughs> <laughs> The, the gun, it's kind of balanced with ice balls and fireballs and um, fan blades, katana with a, like fans that have blades in them. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah. They, they kind of all have a ranged attack that evens it out. Um, but, yeah, I just think it kind of sucks that you can't skip cutscenes, especially because if you lose a fight, it'll go and play the cutscene again, I think. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the case. But it might start from just halfway through the cutscene. I don't know. Doesn't sound like you've lost a lot. Yeah, no, I kind of have. Because it goes like classic fight game. This you, you have to win two rounds to win. So if you lose one, you just come back and button mash a bit harder. <laughs> Very strategic. Or you actually stop and read the move list. Yeah. Or... or and, learn some fucking moves, even just basic moves. But the majority, all the characters kind of have the same button press combos. So, plus it's more fun to just play it button mashing to see what you can discover Mm. and then go, wow, that's cool. How the fuck did I do that? And try to figure it out again. (laughs) (laughs) Like any fighting game. Yeah. But, um, so like, like I said, the last Mortal Kombat I played before this was the one on PS2, Deadly Alliance, I think it was. I seriously should look it up, so I stopped going. I'm pretty sure that's what the name <laughs> was. But um, there's a challenge mode in this one, which reminds me a lot of the last one. Basically, there's a tower with 300 challenges, and you start at challenge one at the bottom, and you can, as you complete each one, you move up a level, and you get coins for each completion. And... Um, There'll be like things like there's one where Melina, 
who's one of the girl characters. By the way, all the girl characters have giant breasts and very little clothes on them. Yeah, that sounds about right. Sounds like Mortal Kombat. It's kind of... Yep. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. It kind of makes me wonder how they stay upright and how their backs aren't severely damaged. But whatever. Because they're still young. (laughs) (laughs) And how they don't pop out of the outfit they're wearing. (laughs) Well, as you're fighting, the clothes rip on different characters. That's actually... (laughs) That's one of the other reasons that it's probably banned is that... um, the damage on your body, when you go down, you get back and it's still there. And um, it's things like big patches of skin are missing. Mm. Like I did one fight and I must have got a massive hit to the side of my head because basically half my face was missing. Nice. And there was like muscle and you could see the teeth and my like the whole round of my eyeball. <laughs> so what happens if so, you hit someone in the nuts? <laughs> um well, some of the x-ray moves, actually, Johnny Cage does a move where he does the splits and does an uppercut into your nuts. Nice. And it kind of makes your character just, like, grab their crotch and go, ow! A Michael Jackson experience. And they're kind of stunned for a second. <laughs> and then they come back and they can't breathe properly and they've got a really squeaky voice. <laughs> so, yeah, that's cool, but... They're like, just wait one second. <laughs> Shang Tsung, pause the fight. Yeah, that's one right. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, but there's actually some of the x-ray moves. As you're fighting, you have like a, a super bar or something. It's like an energy bar. And I'm not quite Protein sure bar. what gets it. it. I think it might be. It has three sections, right? And you can use them for extended um, special moves. Or if it goes to the full, all three bars full, you get an x-ray move. And I think I'm pretty sure it, it raises energy by, like, successful blocks and stuff like that, although I have no idea because I haven't really figured it out yet. <laughs> I don't really pay attention. I'm just like, hey, look, I've got an X-ray. So the X-ray move, you press two, the both both trigger buttons at the same time, and depending on the character, each one's different, like, on where you have to be standing. Like, some of them, you'll press them, and they'll just stand there and say something like, come at me or something, and the next time they hit you, you'll be, like, flashing, and if they hit you, it goes to a little cut scene where you grab them and do something. and beat the friggin' shit out of them. And each, like, there'll be two or three main hits in your little combo that you do where it goes, like, zooms in and shows X-ray of, like, the bones cracking. And Jade, I think it is, has, like, a bow, like a a wooden staff. Well, it's made out of energy, but it's a staff. And her X-ray move, she, like, is facing away from you and flicks the staff up behind her between your legs. And it goes X-ray and just shows, like, all muscles, the muscles of your leg. There's, like, no... Um, crotch region <laughs> it's just muscle and the stick hits there and you kind of get hurt but um, <laughs> the coolest one I... yeah so you know you don't get stunned from that one though you're just like well that kind yeah. of hurt but um, just muscle the, the best one, I think the best one that I've seen actually there's two best ones um, Quan Chi this guy who can do like telepathic control over people he has one where that his x-ray is, um, he kind of, he gets you in a trance. He gets the enemy character in a trance. So they're just standing there like, you know, catatonic. And then he throws this skull at them and they grab it and look down at it sort of like twitching and they look down at it and then they fucking smash it on their own head. <laughs> <laughs> and 
it goes X-ray and shows the skull cracking, and then um, he sort of puts his hand in the air and does like a flicking motion with both hands, and you, your the enemy character like grab puts its hands up on its own head and does that you know karate move or whatever, snapping the neck like twisting the head real quick and snapping the neck, and you see the neck and spine break, right? Which is pretty friggin' cool to see. And then the other one's Baraka, who has knives in his arms, and he basically stabs you through the eyes. Lovely. And the knives come out the back. It sounds great. Yeah, I don't know how... Like, these aren't fatality moves. They're just normal moves if you still have health left over after you're still fighting. I'm not sure how you still fight after you've had two knives through your skull. But, um, (laughs) whatever. Oh, you just haven't been to Mary Street in a long time. (laughs) (laughs) so so yeah it's pretty brutal but fun as hell it's ridiculously fun not for people under 18 i'm gonna have to throw that out there but people over 18 can definitely play this game once it becomes legal for them in july hopefully possibly never sleep again but, yeah, so the challenge mode, as I was saying, the challenge mode is really cool. There's stuff like the armless and headless thing, but also, um, like, there's funny, little funny ones. Like, there's one where Melina, who's one of the girls, which was where I was before, one of the girls, she um, has made a teddy bear, like a, a plush teddy bear, to give to Scorpion. And it basically, before the fight, it says, it comes up with, like, subtitles of the conversation, and... um Melina says, Scorpion, I've made this teddy bear for you. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, I hate teddy bears. <laughs> and she's like, you will accept my gift. I spent a lot of time making it. And he's like, never. And then it's like, fight. <laughs> and so the whole fight, she's holding this teddy bear and you've got to beat the crap out of her and convince her to not give you the teddy bear. That's fair enough. <laughs> Yeah, which is pretty cool. And then there's like, most of the challenge mode is kind of teaching you each character's special moves. And there's ones like, um, right near the beginning, it's, cause it's got tag team. Your, your team is Johnny Cage and Striker. And you're basically standing on the left of the screen and zombies come up out of the ground and are walking over towards you. And one shot takes them out, but all you can use is Striker's gun and Johnny Cage's little like energy ball that he throws. And um, each has, like, five lots of ammo of it, and then you have to switch out to the other character to reload. So that's pretty cool. And then it's like you have to kill 25 zombies to finish the level, and if they reach, like, get over to you before you kill them, that's the end of the fight, and you have to retry. So there's a lot of cool little things like that that make it really fun to play. All right. um, Well, it sounds like, uh, you know, hopefully in July we do actually get a chance to have a retailed in Australia, and everybody gets to have a bit of a chance to have a play of it, because by the sounds of it, if we can all have this much fun, then it, you know, it's very much a worthwhile buy. Oh, man, I'm loving it. I can't. Seriously, I just wish it was out here so that I could tell everyone to go and freaking buy this game. <laughs> yeah, you're a bastard. Sorry. So we, we've heard enough about a game that no one can actually play, so let's uh, let's move <laughs> on, I guess. Sorry. <laughs> so that's the end of our uh, our discussion there with Matt's thoughts. Alright, 
So, that pretty much wraps up episode 13. Now, as per normal, we're just going to go through a bit of housekeeping. And I guess firstly, we will start with uh, with the competitions again. So, we, as we said, and as you would have probably seen on the website, the um, first copy of uh, the AFL Live game for PS3 was given away. And our good friend Barbobot got that one. So congratulations. And we've also been uh, been lucky enough to get ourselves another um, iTunes review. We've we've had our uh, our third now five star review. So thank you very much to D Boy from Thumbpad. So yeah, thank you very much, D Boy. Appreciate that. So if you're interested. What does it say? Uh, it says, good work, guys. Love the new format. I generally don't like long-winded podcasts, but you guys are entertaining. Oh, <laughs> it's only long-winded because Matt fucking talks. Keep, oh, okay. <laughs> keep it up, and I'd like to hear some drop bear stories. So it's, it's oh, nice yeah. that somebody actually listened to the episode where I, uh, where I played that you know, drop bear podcast or drop bear story that I said to one of my children. So. That was yeah. good. You sure he wasn't talking about wanting to hear stories about people being mauled by <laughs> Actually, I've 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 got a funny story because uh, D Boy is my Black Ops buddy, no, and um, we were playing a game today, and this guy's gamer tag was something like Killer Koala, and we were playing on uh, WMD, and he was camping up on the big platforming area where they go. And I shot him down, and his body dropped right in front of me. And I said, "Well, that puts a new meaning to drop there." <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. That, that was a good story. Shout out there to uh, to Killer Koala. Nice one. <laughs> Sweet. Now uh, our AFL competition is still going ahead, so get on board there. Jump into the forums, have a bit of a look, and you might be able to win yourself a, uh, a copy of AFL Live. Thanks to our friends at True Blue. Oh yeah. I managed to um, kind of quell the spam overload on the forums, so it's actually quite pleasurable in there right now. If you want to go in and like have a word and make a chat with non-bot Get people, in there now. and you won't have to worry about porn and bad teeth comments. So do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I guess that that pretty much wraps that up. Um, we did throw out a, uh, a couple of twitters for some questions or some uh, you know shout out requests. There has been one from our good friend that was, Tricky Mick. Yeah, Tricky yeah, Mick from uh, the Trophy, Trophy Horse, Horse on they, their new home, ProvenGamer dot. That's right. So I guess that's pretty much it for the show. A few quick shout-outs now. Shout-out. Yeah. Susie, yep. you got some shout-outs? Uh, yeah, I just want to give a shout-out to all the guys at Level 3. Uh, hopefully we'll be uh, getting to know them a bit better while I'm in Melbourne, uh, as well as the guys from Thumbpad, uh, which are a regular shout-out for me. But uh, given I'll be in Melbourne for a good three weeks, uh, I'll certainly uh, be looking forward to catching up with them a bit more. So shout-out to them. Nice. Matt, you got any shout-outs? Um, I just want to shout-out Captain Average from SGUK. You probably shouted him out last yeah. week, but I'm going to do it again because <laughs> they it. gave us a shout-out on episode 23 of the SGUK podcast, which is a pretty funny show, more or less. <laughs> more or less. <laughs> it, it could 
It could probably use a little bit less Scottish. <laughs> oh, the oh. poor yamster. Come on. But whatever. Nah, Captain Average is a is a gentleman and a scholar, and he recorded that little bit for the news thing for us, so we're eternally grateful. Um, and if they're looking for any comic oh, uh, discussions, then uh, they should come to us. <laughs> yeah. Tell them why our country is better than theirs. Oh. Um, and one more thing. Um, Sarcastic Gamers Extra Life starts mid-May. So hopefully in the next week or two, the re- well, it doesn't start, but the registra- registrations will start um, happening. Basically, it's a 24-hour gaming marathon to raise money for um, children's cancer hospitals and stuff like that. Worldwide. Um, Dropback Gaming, Dropback Gaming is going to be um, taking part in that. We're going to be having a team. It's in October, so there's plenty of time to sign up, and we'll have more information on the podcast and the website as it comes to pass. And I hope that everyone will join us in that because it's a good cause, and the money goes to Australian. Well, it goes to whatever hospital you choose, but uh, there is some Australian hospitals that we, it can be given to. So that's going to yeah. be good. So shout out to Sarcastic Game. Definitely, yeah. The tagline to that, I think, is fantastic. It's play game, play games, help kids. And there could be nothing better and more deserving. So let's mm. uh, let's definitely get involved with that one, everybody. So uh, a few shout-outs for myself again, I guess. Uh, I'd like to give another shout-out to True Blue because you know, the guys over there are fantastic. A shout-out to the, um, the Big Ant crew because the game that they've developed is awesome and I'm really loving it. And apart from that, little Cozzy, give him a shout out because because uh, he's a good bloke. Um, David Tusli, yeah, exactly. David Tusli, because again, he's a top bloke, and he always uh, sends me back um, you know, Twitter comments and questions whenever I put anything up. And to you know, sarcastic gamer again for you know, everything those guys do. So. Anyway, um, that has been episode 13. We hope you enjoyed it. I'm going to have to edit the crap out of it so that it can be a little bit easier <laughs> and it's not so long-winded. <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, Suck but, in. yeah, that's all good. It's part of, the, part of the job. So enjoy yourselves. Until next week, this is me, BQ410. Lucas, good night. Stay classy, Australia. Ciao. <laughs> Fucking hell. That was just a full on fucking epic. It was great.